Blog Talk Radio. broadcast of Spirituality Today with Jamie Sanders and Denise Jurgen. I'm Jamie Sanders coming to you from Unity of Pensacola in Pensacola, Florida, and my wonderful co-host is coming to us from Unity of Music City in Nashville, Tennessee. So today on the show we're excited because we have the return of the amazing Coach Carla who is in Omaha, Nebraska today. Lucky her because anybody ever been to Omaha, I love Omaha about as much as I love Nashville. So Denise, what's going on with you at Music City? And we're going to have Carla coming with us in just a second. Well, I just finished my lunch bunch, which I usually do in the middle of the day on Wednesday. But we are getting up, geared up for World Day of Prayer. And actually, Becky Whitehead, the minister of Omaha, is coming here this weekend to join the stage with me and help us kick off World Day of Prayer week. So we're excited about that. That's going to be very exciting. So I'm thankful that Carla could hold the space in Omaha while Miss Becky comes this direction. Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah, we're getting ready for World Day of Prayer, too. We're doing most of our event on the closing evening, the 24-hour vigil. So we're doing ours on Thursday evening here at the church, and we'll have a short prayer vigil, and then we'll do the live streaming from Unity Village for the closing with Daniel Namon. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Oh, that'll be awesome. yeah, I mean, anybody who's ever heard Daniel Neymar or seen him perform, it's worth that alone. But the power and the energy of world prayer taking place on that day is going to be an energy that you don't want to miss out on. So wherever you are on that day, which is really going to be sept- Wednesday, September 7th, 24 hours of World Day of Prayer, holding affirmative prayer for um, all beliefs, all nations, all beings on the planet, you know, filling it with love and light is something that you can do wherever you are in that sacred moment. So, which is one of the things today, talking about sacred moments and things that we're going to talk with Coach Carla about, you know, so many people are talking about with all the stuff going on politically on the news, the stress of things taking place just around the globe, that sometimes they feel so overwhelmed that they're they're not feeling very peaceful within themselves, around themselves, that they're not sleeping well, they feel... um, overwhelmed with life and so today on the show as we bring Carla on Carla's going to share with us some of the the ideas of how important it is for us to be still which is you know sometimes that's a catchphrase that we use a lot in spirituality but coach Carla's going to point out to us that being still it, I mean it, it filters into the body the mind and the spirit and she's going to talk a little bit about giving us tips on how to be still how to work ourselves into a a program or a practice of meditation slash prayer. So, Coach Carla, welcome back to the show, and love you much and glad you're with us. Me too. So grateful to be with the two of you, and 
so grateful um, to for this month, World Day of Prayer, um, uh, this activity of of holding the consciousness of peace even in times that don't appear very peaceful. Um, it's a spiritual practice. It's a practice where um, in order to to demonstrate peace, we must first be peace ourselves. And in the busyness of today's world and the craziness of our monkey minds, um, that's, that can be a challenge. And I do find more and more people are, are anxious and on overwhelm. Um, they can't seem to get out of their heads. And that's why the practice of the silence becomes incredibly important. And, and it's why mindfulness practices are, are, um, are becoming uh, physicians are, are recommending um, patients have, you know, practice mindfulness um, which is meditation, which is um, uh, walking meditation, which is going into the silence, which we, you know, in New Thought, um, we so love that experience of, of meditating and going into the silence and just listening as we communicate with with um, the divine presence, whatever that is, the source of all things whatever you call that, being present to possibility, to hope, to light, to truth, to love, is what allows us to become peaceful. That makes sense? Perfectly it makes perfect me. sense for me. I I love that. And when you said the word mindfulness, you know, I have years of experience in schools with children mm-hmm. and they would not let us call it meditation. Right. Years ago they would let us call it relaxation techniques, but in mm-hmm. recent years they have let us call it mindfulness. And what is really awesome in Nashville, Tennessee is that there is a push to put mindfulness right now in all the middle schools in Nashville, Tennessee, and to start the day every day with 10 minutes of mindfulness, which is 10 minutes of really meditation. And they are trying to take some data to see how that shifts, you know, activities and things. But I'm just applauding and going, it's going to make a big difference because – you know, I can tell you as someone who's worked with school children, you know, there's no telling where kids came from or what they, what's happened on the oh. bus or in the car or at home. And if they could just take 10 minutes and be still before they start their day, how much better their day will be. And so let's, let's talk a little bit about um, the stillness, you know, be still and know. Um, Stillness is a spiritual practice, but it definitely has its impact on our mind and our bodies. And like you were saying, what's going on in our schools, it it can be some of these children are facing, you know, absentee parents. You know, I, I, I look around and, you know, people have to work. And they have to work at times their job requires them to come to work. So sometimes 
parents can't even be present to their kids first thing in the morning or after school. There's just no way. And they, so if we can teach, if we can give kids the tools to find that peace and stillness within themselves, wow, wow. Yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking long run, you know, these children, once they learn this, this will become a part of their life. Absolutely. You know? And they won't be 30, 40, 50 years old going into some center or some New Thought church and going, I don't even know how to do any of this. That will be become a practice that they have learned at some point in time and go, you know, it's a really good thing to be still before I begin whatever it is I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, I got to share, um, Jamie, <laughs> uh, a, a personal story about my grandson because, you know, you guys can't have me on the show without me telling a Tobias <laughs> story, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> but he is my master teacher in life. And, uh, uh, and definitely um, has a deep spiritual understanding of what of what's good in life w- without maybe necessarily all the theology that needs to go along with it because does it really need we're talking about spirituality today and our kids are awake they 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 have that um almost uh instantaneous uh recognition of of what's right you know right. what, what What's good? We we train it out of them, but 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 they come in with it. But I, um, you know, at Silent Unity at Unity Village, they have an eleven o'clock service Monday through Thursday, and it's one of my favorite services um, to participate in. And it's a meditation service. And so um, my grandson was with me one day, and I said, "Hey." I'm doing the 11 o'clock service at Silent Unity. You want to come with me? And he said no. <laughs> um, I said, oh, I'd really like you to come. Um, it's a meditation service. And he said, oh, will I be bored? And I said, why don't you just come and see, you know? So mm-hmm. it was the invitation. It wasn't the forcing. It was the invitation, and I didn't guilt him because he refuses to let me guilt him. Um, so anyway, it's a 20-minute service. So after it was over, he looked at me and he said, Nan, you know, the first 10 minutes were pretty boring. <laughs> but <laughs> after that, I just feel better. Mm. And I said, what do you mean better? And he said, I don't know. I feel I feel calmer. Mm-hmm. I just feel better. And And I think that's what what inviting um, our kids into a practice that doesn't smack of theology, but of of a practice of learning how to get ourselves centered. Um, in today's world and the world that will come in the future is just going to be vital for life. So, so what stops most people? Um, from meditation, in my opinion, so I want your opinions too, Jamie and Denise, is they think they have to stop thinking, that they they can't think. 
you know, I'll never still my mind. I can't stop thinking. Well, you're exactly right. You can't stop thinking. But what you can do is get yourself into a place of observation where you just observe your thoughts and let them go. Not Mm -hmm. try and force them to go, not trying to not think, because that's impossible. We got a brain. That's what our brain does. It thinks lots. It makes grocery lists. It talks about who you want to sit with in your next class or what you want to have for lunch. So the the brain always is thinking, but we don't have to attach a story to the thought. We don't have to follow that thought um, uh, uh, down a road that we don't particularly want to go in right now. We want to establish a practice of becoming still to become peaceful. So if we just observe the thoughts and just watch them and follow our breath, just focus on our breathing or on um, on an affirmation. Give me an affirmation, Jamie. Well, I was just thinking, you know, that you know, our mind is always going. So even though my mind is active with thoughts, I center on the Christ light within me and all is calm. And that can, you know, that's why people make up mantras is because they yeah. know the mind is going to wander like you were saying, oh, when I get done with this, I got to go to the car wash and and so we have to keep calling our thoughts back into the into the purpose. So one of the things that I, I mean, I still do it. I'll think, oh, I'm right in the middle of meditating, and I'll think, oh, I, I didn't check the mail. And I will think to myself, <laughs> I will go into making my list of gratitude. You know, I am thankful today for this. I'm thankful. And so for young younger minds, <clears throat> not that ours aren't sharp or anything, but that we are. <laughs> I'm sharp, sharp. And that what we have to do is we realize that our minds really do, do like to be busy. So that's why, I mean, oh, I don't know about yeah. you guys, but you can be at the beach or even at the, at the village and be standing there looking at a fountain, and all of a sudden you realize that you checked out watching the fountain or you are at the beach and you, you get caught up in the, in the motion of the waves. You know what I mean? And it's like all of a sudden you realize, I checked out, and that's what meditation is. You are present. You are there. But all of a sudden, something else takes over. It's kind of like when we, we talked on some of the other shows about doing um, hypnosis or past life regressions. Your, your mind is kicking and thinking, and I'm thinking to myself, this can't be real. I, I, I can't. Then I realize I'm doing two things at once. I'm listening to mm-hmm. the, the therapist, and I'm having this, this movie play before me. I can't be right. doing both. So I think our mind is always having to be stimulated. We just have to learn to re, re-rope the mind back into the corral of peacefulness and healing thoughts and transformational thoughts instead of my grocery list. Yes. Most definitely, yeah. And I, I, I love um, your affirmations that you post on your Facebook page because they're always perfect for me. Um, uh when I read them, I go, oh, perfect. That's what I'll hold on to today because we, we do need inspiration to stay present to the creative moment, which is only found now. Now. So if I truly believe that I can be peace, then, then I I must think 
peaceful thoughts and get to a place inside of me where thoughts still and all of a sudden I am peace. All right, let's right? go back to that. You, you said it in the beginning, and this is what I it went through my mind when you said it. Um, and I'm trying to remember exactly how you worded it, but what it was, if I if I want peace, I have to be peace. So I'm thinking to myself, if somebody just tuned in and says, what in the world does that mean? So let's break it down <laughs> in, a, in a really simple okay. way for someone who goes, I have no idea about this meditation business. What do you mean, Coach Carla, when you say about us being peace? Okay, so so peace does is a quality of being, meaning it's... Um, uh, an adjective you can use to describe a person. Someone is peaceful. Um, peace does not necessarily mean the absence of conflict. But there is a way we can choose to be peaceful in any situation, in any drama, in any condition. We can choose to be peaceful. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? Well, most definitely it is. Can be, depending on what what is going on in front of me. Because, Absolutely. you know, when I, when I think about, you know, the five senses, any of them can be activated in any moment, and all of a sudden I am sometimes even feel like I'm yanked out of the present moment into the middle of something else. And so I oh, think that's yeah, yeah. That, that's our yeah daily, hourly, sometimes momently. That's what happens to us is is we we can say today I'm going to be as peaceful as I possibly can. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be centered. Um, and when the reason we practice meditation, mindfulness, stillness is for those times when um, everything but peace shows up in our life so that we've already got that neuropathway, if you will, in our brain wired for peace. And you said a very important word that I remind my spiritual community of probably almost on a weekly basis, that this is a practice. Yeah. That this is something we have to continue to do because being in these human bodies and living in this world that we live in is anything but silent. There's noise Amen. everywhere all the time. And so I've got to practice being in the stillness and being in the silence. And so I've got to find the places that work for me and the situations that I can incorporate into my day to create a time of silence. Because I don't know about you all, but just being in the car can be stressful at times. Oh, I had the most wonderful experience driving here to Omaha today from Kansas City because there wasn't traffic, that that much traffic, and and I I was... Paying attention to the road, of course, not going the speed limit, of course, because <laughs> you can get to Omaha real fast. <laughs> and yes. um, uh, 
but I was I was in a place. I wasn't listening to the radio. I wasn't listening to anything. I I was just aware of what I was doing, and the creative thoughts. My goodness, came through, and I thought that this is why mindfulness is so important. Why meditation is so important is to keep us now in the moment. The mind will take us into the past or into the future all the time. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. But when we practice getting centered, um, becoming still, um, more of a listening, awake and uh, an, an awake listening um, time in inside of us we can't when that becomes a prevalent practice for us we can be in a flow of life that that is pretty darn special it's very creative well most definitely because it it keeps you as you said in the present moment you know i have so, to but, be in this moment to create yeah you know and so yeah. if if I can't bring my attention into this moment, then what I'm doing is dragging in something from the past or projecting something into the future and not really creating it in this moment. And I, I don't I think sometimes that's a new learning for people. Yeah. You know. I I think And you know, especially in you look at at not just our children are on gadgets all the time playing games, but we are mm-hmm. too. Yes. I mean, I'm packing up to come to Omaha. I take my computer, my iPad, my my phone. <laughs> you know? God forbid I don't have some gadget to turn on. <laughs> you know? And and I also take my own mind. So it's a very busy, busy life. <laughs> right. But right. But right. That that practice. When we can be present to what is, accepting what is, not resisting it or fighting with it. And the only way we can accept what is is if we practice that that, that meditation or mindfulness practice of just watching our breath. You know, all it takes is five deep breaths to calm yourself down. Right. Five deep breaths. If we did nothing else but taught kids that, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And nobody needs to know that you're taking five deep breaths. Right. But, you know, some of us. I just think of, like closet breathers. He's breathing. He's breathing again. <laughs> Well, but, you know, it's very interesting because um, as long as I said I've worked in schools and most anybody that's ever had me as a teacher or a counselor or someone that's known me in a school, one of the first things they say if they see me again is, you're the one that reminded me to breathe. Yes. And it was like, you know, when people are anxious or upset, they're holding their breath. Exactly. I would look at them and go, honey, just breathe. Breathe. And it was like they didn't even think about it. It was like, oh, okay. I'm like, you know, once you do that, you release 
50% of what you were dealing with anyway, you know? Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, there are some external stressors in our life, but most stress is caused by our mind, you know? Well, most definitely. That, you know, that's, that it's our perception that that causes us stress. And you just watch, um, you know, when I'm coaching someone and they're caught up in a monkey mind conversation, there's no breathing going on. Right. You know, and the funny thing about adults is um, you can tell them to breathe and you can tell them why to breathe and then you can remind them and remind them and <laughs> remind them. But they're, they're already off and running with the story. You know, well, sure. kids, kids are, are are teachable. So that's, I, I love the Buddhist term, beginner's mind, you know? Yes. Beginner's yes. mind. We can do this. We, we can really do this. Um, and when we, do I think, okay, this might be blasphemy. You might kick me off your show for saying this, but... <laughs> I can't wait to hear this now. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but I really don't think there'll ever be peace on earth. I think Where's that disconnect that button. <laughs> <laughs> so should we quit singing that song? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think it's in, it's something to shoot for, sure. But but tell me a time in history when there's been peace on earth. I'm just saying the evidence is is against us. Not only that, I don't think I think peace. It's we want to be able to communicate better with each other. It's not that there's not going to be conflicts. As long as we're in a human condition, there's going to be conflicts. But that's okay. All is well if we can come from a centered place inside of us and be guided by spending some time in the silence and listening to the wisdom that's around us and within us. And don't you think it that's has to do with, but I, I think a lot of it too has to do with about us being so authentically honest with ourselves that when we mm-hmm. can't be still to really, first of all, before you, you try to tap into the stillness, tap into what is it that you're so uptight about and as Denise says, what stick do you have shoved up your butt that you can't <laughs> that you can't chill out enough? What are you angry about? What resentment are you holding on to? And yes. when we process that, I truly believe we begin to do that be peace thing that you said in the beginning, Carla. It's about I'm I'm carrying around so much I'm resentful of what happened 15 years ago. Jesus Christ, let it go. I mean, we're hurting ourselves. <laughs> Because right. we're not doing oh, our own inner yeah. therapy. You agree? Oh, yeah. I'll give you an amen on that. I'll <laughs> give you an amen. I, and I really think the inner therapy, Jamie, I, uh, Denise, and you tell me what you think about this, too, that inner therapy needs to be done in the presence of a trusted uh, advisor, somebody who's going to love you through it. I agree because I think that you can get into this cyclical, bizarre thinking in your own mind of trying to root it out yourself, and I think you just kind of get in the same circular spiral kind of mess. But if you can, you know, even I have people that sit in my office with me 
and they talk themselves into a dither and out of a dither in my presence. But it's like I can point it out to them, and they see it better, if that makes any sense. Does that make sense to you at all? Yes. It's it's like our role is to, to, in our presence, people see who they truly are. Right, right. That That is what I see, what what I do as a minister, as a coach, as a whatever I'm doing, is in my presence, people feel safe enough to really begin to see who they truly are. So right. cough up your fur balls, have your hissy fit, you know, <laughs> pull whatever you have to pull out of your hiney booty. <laughs> <laughs> And Sounds let's, like a fun uh, job. Somebody's got to do it, yeah. right? <laughs> and let's be vibrant with life. Let's be alive. It's really a good idea. Well, you know, and, you know so, the other thing that comes up for me, I know we haven't, we we don't have much time left, but you know we are such an action-oriented world, and I know that some people say, "Well, I don't have time to meditate, or I don't have time to be still." And I try to implant in their minds, you don't have time not to, because this gets you prepared for your day. This starts everything on a different note than if you, it's almost like, you know, I'm going to sing a song, but I'm going to start on the wrong note, and the whole thing is going to be horrendously horrible. But if I can spend even 10 minutes in the silence in the morning, my whole day is different. Exactly. And and when you say to yourself, for all of our listeners, I don't have time to meditate or I don't know how to, just sit in some place that's beautiful for you, walk in the woods, do, do, do something that nourishes your spirit and your perception of life will shift. If you don't have time to do meditation, you don't have time to be healthy. You know, I'm just right. saying Yep, I it's, agree it's totally. It's that vital to our experience of being alive. And let's be clear, meditation is not necessarily a bottle of wine. You know, some people think oh, that for on. them to – I, I, a bottle, a glass, I don't – but I'm saying, you know, some people say, oh, well, I, I drink to relieve stress or I drink to escape. So I think it's mm-hmm. really important that we specify as we close out this part of the show that meditation – I don't – I personally think that, you know, it's like on Saturday evenings – both of you know I will not go out and have have any wine with dinner on Saturday night if I'm speaking on Sunday. I, right. I know that it interferes with my connectedness, and that's my story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be yours. But I, right. I just want people to understand that it doesn't require a bottle of wine for you to go sit and be still. You're not going to feel good in the morning. You may be still because you can't get up off the couch, but <laughs> it's not the same thing. Can I get right. an amen on that? Right. Yes. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Coach Carla, we love you, and I hope you have a blast there in Omaha. And you go in the office and give a big hug to my buddy Vicky, and tell all my friends in Omaha I send my love, and we'll have you back shortly. And thank you for being with us. Oh, always enjoy myself. You are good buddies to hang with. Well, cool. Well, have all fun right. in Bye Omaha. Now. Will do. Bye-bye. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. She's always so boring. I don't know if you've noticed that. Have you ever noticed how boring she is? <laughs> she 
is, just love she talking is, to her. We have more kind of fun, fun together. You know what I mean? When we sit, when I stay at her house, we sit up and we just we're crazy. I mean, we have a great time, and that's the kind of friends you want in the world. So, in this next segment, folks, if you're listening in today, our our guest co-host is going to be uh, the amazing Dr. Janine Burns, and, and I want to tell you a little bit about her before we bring her on. So, Dr. Janine Burns is a New Thought speaker, teacher, and spiritual coach who is passionate about helping us shed our limiting beliefs and live from the realm of possibilities. She holds a Doctorate of Divinity degree from Emerson Theological Institute and is a certified transformational breathing coach, which is a powerful technique if you've never tried it. According to Reverend Ike, the legendary Reverend Ike, he said, I demand excellence of my speakers and teachers. Dr. Burns has got vim, vigor, and charisma. She is a solid truth teacher. Janine is the creator of the musical CD Tunes for Transformation, which is endorsed by Dr. Deepak Chopra. As a celebrant, she serves those in the Long Island community who call themselves spiritual but not religious, offering services to honor life's important passages. Currently, she is teaching classes in the basics of practical spirituality. I was with Janine just recently at the Divine Science Conference in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It was so good to reconnect with her. So we're excited about having her on as our guest co-host today to lead us in our discussion about to forgive or not to forgive. And in the video that I posted this morning promoing the show, what I said was we hear so much talk about forgiveness, what it is, what it isn't, how we should, how we shouldn't. And so today we're going to get to the bottom of some of this because we all three – Uh, on this program today have gone through our own journeys of forgiveness, even journeys of unforgiveness. And so we're excited to have Dr. Janine Burns with us. Janine, welcome to the show, and thanks for being with us. Hey, fantastic to be here, Jamie. Hi, Denise. Hi there. It's nice to meet you. Indeed. Great to be here. So, Janine, let's let's talk about a little bit what your, um, just a, a short bio version of what forgiveness has been for you, and when there were moments that maybe you realized you still had some forgiveness work to do? Forgiveness, personally, is transformational. It frees you. It frees up your mind. It frees up your heart so that you can experience the peace that is naturally within. There have been times in my life when I have had circumstances where I have just been so resistant to forgiveness because the ego doesn't like to forgive. The ego likes to play over and over in your mind what the person did and how you'd like to retaliate and, you know, how the circumstance could have been. And so what I, forgiveness has been transformational because I've learned that you can only forgive when you're coming from your divine nature and when you're coming from a place of love. And forgiveness is simple, but it's not easy. It takes it takes a lot of willingness to be able to to let go of the perceived wrong. And one of my favorite uh, definitions of forgiveness is uh, Jesus spoke the language Aramaic, and he said that forgive means to cancel. And so when we're forgiving, what we're doing then is canceling demands and expectations that we hold that another person be a certain way. That, that the other person perform or act in a certain way. And when we can get to that place, then what we do is we unblock uh, all that energy of love and peace and joy that's naturally within us that's waiting to express. 
Isn't that, I mean, wow. that's pretty amazing because we don't always think of it at that level. I think we just like to do, like, the, I always say the B.J. Thomas song about somebody done somebody wrong song. <laughs> yeah, you right. don't realize that everybody, you know, most of the time when we're upset, it has to do because, as one of my teachers says, someone didn't get the edict of the day that this is how it should be. And now your mm-hmm. heads will be taken off because you have offended me by not behaving in the manner in which I demand. And we create the chaos and craziness in our lives. So I love that expression. Denise, can you think of a time that, I mean, because we're all ministers on the phone, I don't know that we've all had that issue, but uh-huh. <laughs> a time when you struggled with forgiveness, that you were hurt emotionally, spiritually, that you had to work through forgiveness. Well, um, you know, I have a very interesting past and grew up um, as a member of a different fundamental religion and was married to a man who was very, very abusive. Mm. And I ended up leaving him because I was afraid that I was going to lose my life, literally. And this particular religion told me that I could not leave him unless he or me committed adultery. Now, I'll be honest with you all, even on radio, at this point in time, I was like 25 years old. You know, what I think now is I should have gone and committed adultery, and then they would have thrown me out to begin with, and I wouldn't have had to worry about it. But (laughs) I left, and I was totally kicked out of this whole religion. Oh, wow. I lost every friend that I had ever had. My parents really didn't want to have anything to do with me. I lost a job because I was teaching in a school that was that religion. Mm-hmm. And so I had a huge, it felt like a, not just a little forgiveness, it felt like a whole mountain that had to be moved. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah. Because it was just this big albatross. And I can be honest with you, it took me years to begin to even chisel away at that because I could very easily say, you're wrong, and I'm right, and I don't understand why you all did all this to me. Now, fast forward many years later, because I'm 59 years old, I, I can say that all of that was some of the best things that ever happened to me because it helped me find my way to unity. But attempting to forgive a, a, a whole system of a religious belief system and the people that were behind all of that, you know, it was, I, I can truly tell you it was harder to forgive some of that than it was a person who had literally physically and emotionally and sexually abused me, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Because oh, absolutely. This was, this was a culture that completely threw me out and says, you can't be a part of us because you've decided to not live the way we think you should. And, you know, I don't know what you would say about all that, but that, it, after I got into unity and started understanding more about what forgiveness was and dug in a deeper way, I was able to first understand that I was hurting myself and not them. That was my first aha moment, because what I realized is they could have cared less. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it was hurting me to hold on to all that. Well, you know what I think? That had to be my first wake-up call. What you think? 
Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think that sometimes when you're in a circumstance when there is animosity and you're holding resentment or unforgiveness, the other person is happy. They're thrilled that you're all sorts are upset. They're out on a Hawaiian cruise vacation, and you're the one that's right. doing in your mind, in your heart. And, right. uh, and I think a big piece of forgiveness, and especially in circumstances like your circumstance was such betrayal. You were betrayed by a religion that was, you know, taught a God of love, and so it just it didn't make sense. Uh, we don't necessarily have to reconcile circumstances. Forgiveness doesn't depend whether uh, there's any kind of apology. It depends. It's an action that takes place in your own mind and your own heart. And that's a big piece of it to realize that you are losing your peace of mind when you're not forgiving. And uh, also I was uh, speaking recently about Everett Worthington Jr. He's a clinical psychologist at University Commonwealth University, and he's a foremost expert on forgiveness. He, because his mother was murdered in 1990, and then subsequent to that, his brother committed suicide. So he began writing and researching on forgiveness. He has over 20 books, lots of articles all over the internet, and a big piece of. Uh, harboring a grudge is about it being a stressor and that what it does is it raises your heart rate, your blood pressure, and because of the stress, it releases the stress hormone cortisol and that combines with fat and it gets stored in the middle of your body. And so then every time that you think about that circumstance that you've not forgiven, you are actually releasing cortisol into your body and that it affects your Yep, your digestion, your cardiovascular health, it, 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 uh, your sex life, your, your brain, your emotions. Every time you think about that person who's wronged you, you have cortisol mm-hmm. in your body. But we don't want to forget. We don't want to forget. Right. And I have a funny story I'd like to tell. That uh, it, I think it's amusing that really speaks to how we really like to hold on to resentment. And it's a, a story from back in the 1920s of a woman who was bitten by a stray dog. And this was back in the 1920s before penicillin was invented, so there was no cure. So the woman went to the hospital, and she was tested. She was found to have rabies, and the doctor came in and said, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but you've been bitten by a rabid dog, and you have rabies. Of course, it's not curable. So I think the best thing to do right now is to give you a paper and pen, and I suggest that you write out your last will and testament. So the doctor left the room, and the woman sat down, and she was writing and writing and writing. And he came back a couple of minutes later, looked in the room, and she is writing fast and furiously. He comes back a couple of minutes later, and she's still writing and writing. He comes in the room, and he says to her, you know, I really don't think a last will and testament needs to be that long. And the woman says, Will Schmill, I'm making a list of people who I want to go out and bite. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about wasted energy. That's a hoot. (laughs) Exactly. But that's what the ego does. The ego wants revenge. You know, we want to get back. We want paybacks. And, you know, I really appreciate the first piece the first part of the show because you talked about meditation and if you're able to get yourself in the stillness then you're able to more access the higher self where you can practice forgiveness 
where you can allow the healing energy of spirit to come and do a mighty and powerful work through you. So, Janine, let's, you know, I want to share something with, I mean, it's a little personal for you, but I, I think it's, it's going to make a valid point. You know, sometimes okay. we, we think that forgiveness has to do with forgiving another person. But during, um, what hurricane was it that you went through? Uh, well, they called it a superstorm, but it was Hurricane Sandy. Right. So during that time, um, you know, for people who are listening, I mean, literally Janine was trapped in her house on Long Island. It was yeah. it was horrific. We we knew that she had no power. It was freezing. Um, it was really scary for all her friends, and we were, you know, praying and texting. And, and I'm sure on some level, so I guess where I'm going with this is sometimes we go through, um, you know, I'm trying to use the right words. I'm just going to use it, traumatic events. Right. Um, challenges that rattle us to our core. And then when we come out the other side, sometimes we carry that trauma emotionally in our body. And and there's forgiveness work of that. Was there any part of that memory of what you went through, what you came through, that part of you may have felt like the little child thought, I am I was abandoned, I was alone, um, yes. and that you had to work <laughs> through those emotions? Absolutely. First of all, uh, just hearing you right now, it's a little understated <laughs> when you say it was difficult. It was freezing. Nine days. You couldn't even sit down on the sofa, constantly oh dressed in, in all your winter clothes and hats and gloves. And my, so, my, my you know, thermostat on the wall registered that the room was 32 degrees. It was freezing. Oh, wow. And so, but there was a particular event that you just triggered when you said that, Jamie, and that was having to get gas. Now, I did have a generator, and the generator was hooked up only to the refrigerator because it was a very small generator, and, and, and lights, lights in the kitchen. That was it. And so I needed to get gasoline. I'm thinking, how can I get gasoline? Well, I'm a boater, and so there is a gas dock, and I happen to know the captain there. So I went down to the gas dock with a gas tank, and that was just, even getting down there was incredible because there's trees down, everywhere was horrible. And the gas captain said, sure, Rev, you can get some gas here. But there was no one to help me. Now, gasoline weighs about 35 pounds in a five-gallon container. And you have to understand the gas docks are icy, like slippery, sloshy, icy. And I don't know if you're familiar with ice, with docks. They're only three, four feet wide. And I'm going down this gas dock, and this is treacherous. And I'm walking down the hall, and I'm saying, okay, God, uh, God is expressing in through me and as me. I can do this, and it's all in divine order. And, I, and there's all these men around, and not one man lifted a finger to help me, and I was brought up. I was brought up very proper that men help you. They open doors. They rush to your assistance whenever you need it. And I remember coming up that gas dock and standing there just frozen still because men were rushing past me, you know, getting their, having their carts, and no one offered to help me. And that uh, just that made me so angry. Even when I got up there to lift the gas can up into the back of my car was just, you know, the most difficult thing. And I had to work on forgiveness on that. That was one that I had to forgive myself for judging them. I mean, they were protecting their own families. So I had to work on forgiving me because Mary Tumpkin, the, Mary Tumpkin, great great truth teacher, Universal Foundation for Better Living, good friend of mine and, and Jamie's as well, 
Mary used to teach, she would say, spiritual understanding knows motive and cause. So if you know the motive and the cause for why someone acts a certain way, you can become more compassionate and understanding. So I thought, well, you know, what's the motive and cause? Well, they're helping their family, so of course they couldn't help me because they were focused on their own families. So I had to forgive myself, then I forget to forgive them. And like Denise said, you know, it takes a long time to forgive. This It's a daily project. It's not like a one-time deal. You don't just, you know, bingity-bangity-boom-boom forgive. It's something every day. You have to get to the point that you're clean, that when the circumstance can pass through your mind and there's no... Uh, casting aspersions, there's no judgment, there's no anger and frustration, that you go, oh, wow, that was just an experience. That's when you know you're forgiven, and that's what takes time and energy and conscious practice, conscious work. What about you, Denise? You know, Have you the, ever had the, that? Did you ask me a question? I'm sorry. I did. I'm, I'm saying <clears throat> that's a really an interesting point that Janine just made about that because I didn't even think of that, that mm-hmm. when you are, I mean, it's automatic, I think, that sometimes we make it about us, and Janine said she realized, probably not in the moment, but that they were concerned about their family's welfare, their welfare, and it, and on a regular day, they probably would not have behaved as such, which right. is such a powerful principle to take into mind, you know, I have a sign over my desk, I'm late, and it says it's all about me. And I, I look at that often and I laugh because I always say the truth is it's about 50-50. It is about me, and yet not everything is about me. It's about somebody else's experience. So for us as, as congregant ministers running churches, I mean, can you reflect on a time that a congregant, say one that you dearly loved or you know, had a, a close bond with, turned on you or did something that was unkind to you that you had a challenge with forgiving that energy? Most definitely, you know, I mean, this is not necessarily just about me, but we have a ministry in our church that needs a leader. It's Mm -hmm. our chaplain ministry, actually. Mm -hmm. And the chaplain leader stepped down. And I am, as the minister, letting them kind of sit with themselves right now and try to decide how to be, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Because I could run in and rescue them, Mm -hmm. which I have done before, and that's not necessarily always the best thing. But we are working towards World Day of Prayer, which, you know, the first thing that comes up for me is, oh, dear God, we don't have a leader of the prayer ministry, and we're working towards World Day of Prayer. But a month and a half ago, we had a meeting with all of the chaplains, and they decided amongst themselves that they would kind of run themselves organically And we came up with an idea about World Day of Prayer and how it was going to be. And so that was kind of an okay deal. Well, a few days ago, one of the chaplains decided that she would send an email to all the other chaplains Mm -hmm. along with me. And she was going to explain that she was going to take it upon herself to come into the sanctuary and get it set up on the Wednesday night before World Day of Prayer on Thursday and start our 24 hours of whatever and, you know, get the room set up in the way that we had said that we were going to get it set up. Well, I actually was thrilled. I was like, yay, somebody's, you know, wanting to do something here. 
Yay, raw tootie. But know <laughs> that that's not the way two of the chaplains have taken it. And so there has been all of these text messages going back and forth, and people going, well, why did she decide that she's going to step up and do this? And so she's gotten her feelings hurt. So before lunch bunch today, I kind of sat and talked with her for a little while. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminding her the same as I'm reminding myself because in one of the text messages, I'll be honest with you, the first thing I wanted to do with one of the text messages when somebody said, you know, why in the world did this person decide that they're in charge, I wanted to go, you can just bite me. You know, I'm glad somebody decided they wanted to do something here because if not, we all know the minister then has to take care of it, right? Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's very interesting that I was having this conversation just earlier with her. I said, you know, someone else's response is not necessarily about you. It's, you know, your reaction is about you, but, you know, I'm not saying, I, I think that this, this one particular woman was trying to say, am I doing something wrong because there's two people angry at me and all upset? And I said, you know, just because somebody might be angry at you or upset does not necessarily mean you're doing something wrong, you know, right. and that That's possibly, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Right. As I said to her, I need to work on my own forgiveness at this moment because I was finding myself angry at these other two people who are going off on her because she decided she was going to do something. Right. You know, it's it's not necessarily I don't know, forgiveness is such an interesting issue because sometimes when I have those feelings, I realize that, you know, whatever was coming that felt like it was coming at me had nothing really to do with me. It had to do with the other person. So the forgiveness is for myself for actually taking that on as something that I needed to deal with with another individual because it really is. Does that make any sense at all? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a very significant point. Uh, and and. You know, as you were inferring, we get to choose to, uh, I call it uh, reacting or responding. Usually we're reacting, we're not thinking, we're coming from the ego as opposed to responding what circumstances come before us. And I love the idea that you said not to take it personally because that may or may not have anything to do with you. It sounds like this lady was taking the perfect opportunity to prepare and make everything great for everybody else and everybody else was taking umbrage to it because they felt that you know who was she to decide this or that so yeah it's interesting when it gets so many egos involved (laughs) and and people are not yeah it can be yes i used to be a pastor myself denise and uh i can I, i can appreciate that i can appreciate that well, and I find that sometimes some of my biggest, and I would have to throw this question off to Jamie, some of my biggest forgiveness work sometimes is for myself, for holding some sort of a judgment at one of my congregants because mm-hmm. I'm thinking they're acting like, you know, a jackass, excuse my French, in the moment. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? what is wrong with you you know there's i mean in this whole instance i just want to say there's this beautiful 
soul that is taking it upon herself to say, I will come early on Wednesday and set the sanctuary up in the way that we talked about so that, you know, it will be done ahead of time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yay, somebody volunteered to do that, you know. And, right. and so I just want to shake somebody and go, what's the matter with you? Why would you think there's something wrong with that? And so the forgiveness is not really for this other individual. It's for myself, which is a huge piece for me to get at, at any given time. How does that work for you, Mr. Jamie? Well, I agree with you, and I, and you know, listening to both of you, I was I just sit here thinking to myself that really a lot of this is psychological um, issues. I think <laughs> you know about we really do tend to make everything about us, right? And that if someone mm. looks at, I mean, I've had people tell me they're leaving the church because the usher didn't speak to them but spoke to the two people in front of them, and I'm like, right. oh, <laughs> that's not why you're leaving. You're right. looking for a loophole. And you, uh-huh. I mean, and I guarantee you that spills over into every area of your life that you're always the one who's always offended. You're always the one who gets your feelings hurt, or get your panties in a wad. And it's mm-hmm. about going, okay, I have to do my inner work that we talk about in our churches on Sunday morning. When we're, we're doing workshops, we are always talking about whether we call it that or not, our inner work, our inner dialogue. And, and sometimes I just plain old ask myself while driving, what the hell's your problem? Right. What are you? Do you realize that you are creating something that's not there? And until you step into your um, power and authority and go to the person, and go, hey, is there a problem between us? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, mm-hmm. I know all three of us have done this. We all three of us have worked with some pretty powerful spiritual beings, let alone the power that we have. And then mm-hmm. to to be taken back by what felt like a a disrespect or um, just plain old meanness. Right, and then you go, hey, if I don't ask, is there a problem between us? And I lately I'm getting even bolder about it. But, I mean, to just go, is there a problem? Just tell me I don't like you. Okay, that clears it up, and I'll move <laughs> right. on. Yeah. But unspoken, <laughs> unspoken craziness only bubbles over into more craziness. So I really think it's always about the forgiveness stuff. First we start with ourselves. I forgive myself for having these, these ridiculous thoughts of it's always that I'm not enough. And, and a right. lot of times, and I know, Janine, you and I have talked about this, and Denise, you and I have too, that sometimes later, you know, like I always say what Paul Harvey used to say on the radio, the rest of the story, you find <laughs> yeah. out it had nothing to do with what you thought it had to do with, let alone about you and I, but we right. thought, oh, they don't like me. They're not even studying us. They're, they're busy right. shoveling as much of their own grave as they can. They're not thinking of us. We just get hit with the dirt as they're shoveling. Right. You know? right. So. Right. <clears throat> And that's the yes. ego getting all wrapped up again. You know, the ego is like me, 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 me. Um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to mention uh, Colin Tipping. He wrote that book on radical forgiveness, and yes. he basically said, "Are you familiar with that, Denise?" I am very much, and I love that book. Love and his so he, work. Yeah, I do too. And what he uh, spoke about, he basically said that every experience is for us to wake up to our mm-hmm. spiritual identity and 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 when even when it comes to circumstances i had a circumstance the other day and it was really disconcerting i've uh redecorated my kitchen it's beautiful it should be in better homes and gardens it's that beautiful mm. and i came in carrying three cans of chalk paint 
because I recently took a class on chalk because I decided I want to be creative in a new way. And so one of the things I learned that day was you only have two hands, so you'd carry two cans of paint, not three at the same time. And the reason I learned that was when my beautiful beige floor with hints of green, the bright burgundy can of paint fell on the floor, opened up uh, at least a half a quart of paint, and spilled all over the floor. And I was horrified. I mean, I was, I, was, I was so upset and thinking, oh, my gosh, how am I going to deal? God, quick, give me an idea. And I, God always gives us ideas. And, you know, how, I'm not going to be able to manage if I can't get this up. You know, this is not good. This is, I'm going to be very upset with myself. So I got an idea uh, to take a towel and to put it together on a trash bag. And I got most of it uh, cleaned up. And the whole time I'm saying to myself, you know, God, help me with this. What am I, help me with this. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice say, this is going to be okay. This is going to be okay. Because I had been saying to myself, you know, I just taught yesterday that, about this idea that everything as far as spiritual growth and development, how could this possibly be for my growth and development that I got burgundy paint on my beautiful floor? And so I'm hearing, this is going to be okay, and you're going to be okay. It just totally blew me away when I heard that. I, I actually paused for just a second because I had to get the paint up. And I'm literally out of breath, pulling the paint and pulling the paint and washing, pulling the paint. And I heard, I'm going to be okay. And it, it, it struck me in such a deep, deep level. Now, I did get the paint up. And then I went in the next room, and the green paint had opened up on the wooden floor. And I thought to myself, holy kajungus, you know, what, what's going on here? And then I heard again, you are going to be okay, and it's going to be okay. That was huge. And I, and I know for me, after speaking to Jamie, it really came back to all like this traumatic experiences that I've had over these past years. And, and really, even today, thinking about this, even more forgiveness towards myself and more love towards myself, learning to forgive myself that I, I have survived these things and I will survive because I'm always connected to this amazing power no matter what. You know, Ernest Holmes taught uh, in his book, Science of Mind, in the beginning chapter, I think page 27, he said, we must learn to think independently of existing circumstances. And sometimes you are so enveloped in the circumstances that it's hard to separate yourself from them. It's hard to see the motive and cause why things happen. It's hard to see, you know, the experience that what is waking me to more and more of my divinity. And when we're able to be open and receptive, gosh, can we have huge transformation. And gosh, even now, learning to love myself and, and, and forgiving myself and making it okay. It is okay that this happened, and I'm going to be okay. Because I always, the universe always gives me whatever I need, whenever I need it, for as long as I need it, right now. And that's the truth. I feel like spanking. You know the one where you stick your tongue out and go, and that's the truth. Yes. And I feel like I can do it on this this show because this show is a little crazy, you know. It, it, yeah. it is, and you can do anything, most definitely. <laughs> so what do you think, Jamie? I mean, is it? I mean, it's just it just is so profound when we have those realizations and we're like, whoa, this is the absolute truth, and and such a healing can come out of something that seems so horrific in the moment, you know. 
It, well, I see it. I mean, yesterday I had a discussion, and it, it was really a powerful discussion about, you know, the person says, well, I feel such and such, and it blew me away because I went, you feel that? That's exactly what I'm feeling. And so if we can step out of our circle, meaning ourselves, and to take a look that, you know, it, it really is. There are other people having feelings and other people having challenges. You know, people say uh, people are so self-absorbed. You know, and so one of the things I would say to listeners, too, is about working on forgiveness is learn to be a good listener. Because sometimes people, some people um, were never um, in that energy of growing up to make apologies. There are people who, you know, will never say, I apologize. You know, I learned a long time ago from, you know, Johnny Coleman when she would say, stop saying I'm sorry and start affirming I apologize because you're affirming sorrow over a situation and over your seven mm. I am sorry. I never forgot that. It blew me away. And, mm-hmm. and so I will say I apologize or that was not my intention. But it, it really is about for us to do our forgiveness work is to really go, wait a second, I don't know what this person's feeling. And sometimes I've learned if I can just say to somebody, even reach out and put my hand on their arm and say, is everything okay with you? Because something feels either um, detached or there's a sadness. And when you give somebody that opportunity and you really mm-hmm. act like you care, you'd be amazed what comes out. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. you feel the energy shift right in that moment because you were willing to be present. Willing to be present and very key there in terms of uh, communication skills that you were just guessing at an emotion, what they were feeling. That's, that's a huge way to create connection with another. Because it is about being compassionate. We have to be mm-hmm. compassionate. And, and, that, and that means, too, I want to be really clear with people on forgiveness. You know, what I have found on my journey, and you two can speak to this, it has nothing to do with being a doormat for other people to disrespect you, to talk down to you. Um, it, you can be a healthy person who does forgiveness work. And you can say, I forgive you for what transpired. I forgive myself for the way that I, uh, like, you know, I'm with you, Janine, on the thing. I always say we can either react to something or we can respond. React is usually the crazy train has pulled out of the station. But when we respond, (laughs) we take a deep breath and we go, okay, let me, before I, you know, before I say something or do something that I can never Mm -hmm. take back, let me take that deep breath, the five breaths that, you know, Carla was talking about in the beginning. Let me take that breath and go, okay, I'm going to respond as kindly and peacefully, and there's ways of telling people, I love you, but I will not tolerate you speaking to me in that manner from here on out. Until you can speak to me without raising your voice or uh, putting your finger in my face, we're done. I behold the Christ in you, and I'm walking away. And it's so empowering when you realize I didn't have to act like a crazy person. You know? Right. Most definitely. You know, one of the things I would like to hear you talk about for a moment, because I know that sometimes I have congregants who talk to me about this, and I loved in some notes that I got um, from Jamie about what you were going to be, what we were going to be talking about, you have... What forgiveness is not is does not mean that you have to reconcile with someone who treated you badly. Um, you know, I think sometimes people have the wrong idea about what forgiveness is. It means that 
I have to forgive them and that I have to be their best friend now forever and ever. And I would love for you to speak on that on some level. I think that might give some of our listeners another slant on what forgiveness really means. Oh, absolutely. Forgiveness takes place in your own consciousness. It's in your own mind and heart. And you do not have to reconcile with the person in any manner or fashion. You don't need to to see the person again. You don't even need to talk to them. And oftentimes that may be very prudent because, you know, if the person has had behavior that, you know, was abusive, let's say, you don't want to be in that circumstances. And and so forgiveness you do not have to reconcile. You don't have to get an apology. It doesn't you can even have forgiveness towards someone who has passed away. You don't need to see the other person because it's all about making peace in your own mind and your heart. You know, it was um uh Emmett Fox. Do you remember Emmett Fox spoke about forgiveness? Yeah. And what he he spoke about forgiveness and he said that when there's no forgiveness, it takes two, he said. He said there was the jailer and the jailee. And he, what he said, and I have it almost memorized because this is, was huge for me, he said that when you set somebody else free, you're setting yourself free because it's a form of attachment. When you're holding resentment, it's a form of attachment. And he says it takes two people to make a prisoner the person who's imprisoning them, and the person who's the predator. And so what he said is that when you hold resentment against someone, that you're bound to that person with a cosmic link, he called it a real, though mental chain, and that you're tied by a cosmic link to the thing that you hate. And so the one person, perhaps in the whole world, whom you dislike, you don't have anything to do with, is the one that you're attaching yourself to by a hook, a mental hook that is stronger than steel. So it's about you doing it in your own consciousness. And, and so how do we do it? How do we forgive? That is huge. How do we forgive? Forgiveness starts, the, the big piece starts with willingness. You have to say, hey, you know something? This is, I, I just, you know, my, I don't want to, the big thing for me is I don't want to give somebody free rent in my brain. I, that's the right. thing that bugs me the most. I do not want you, after you just did what you did to me, I do not want you now having free rent in my brain. And that starts with that. For me, affirmations, I love affirmations. I put affirmations to music. That's how it works for me. Mm-hmm. And so I usually sing jingles. I sing, I forgive, I forgive, and I am free. I forgive, and I am free, and I'm at peace. That's one of my love to sing. I love to sing, I release, and I let go. I release, and I let go, and I let God. And when we let go, what we're saying is we're letting go of the circumstancing and allowing divine order, allowing divine right action, allowing the law of divine adjustment to come in and bring everything back to wholeness and harmony and peace. And so in our willingness to forgive and our willingness to work with affirmations, I freely and fully forgive you. I bless and release you to your highest good. I am free and you are free. To be able to work with that over and over. And believe me, there are days where I have literally said an affirmation at least 500 times because yeah. I wanted to get it out of my brain because I knew that person wasn't going to apologize. Or maybe I'd never even see that other person again. And And... And, you know, somebody, somebody, you know, said something to me that was just, I was so taken aback that they could have the audacity to 
you know, I was taught you just only certain things, just the audacity of something to me. And and my girlfriend said, she's standing next to me, goes, well, you're a minister. You know you need to turn the other cheek. And I felt, and I almost said out loud, well, I'm going to smack you in your cheek. Because, <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, don't give me this turn the other cheek nonsense. Do you know, when Jesus was talking about turning the other cheek, it did not mean you just got smacked in one cheek and turn your face so you can get smacked in right. another cheek. He was talking about rising in consciousness. He was talking about seeing things from a different perspective, as we were talking about earlier. He was talking about knowing motive and understanding. And so all those things combined are the first steps towards forgiveness that has really nothing to do with the other person and all about having to do with you. So affirmations work for me, uh, singing affirmations, but I'm very curious to hear from both of you. uh, And tell me, Denise, what do you, how do you practice forgiveness Well, it's interesting because that was one of the things I was actually thinking about because um, I love Edwin Gaines, and I think I saw that you had been on a radio program with her at one point in time, and I know she has forgiveness in part of her Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity and, and says in her book to make forgiveness a daily practice. Yes. And so one of the things that I have done is, is some of the is looked at some of the practices that she has suggested in her book mm-hmm. and done some of them like writing and and listening to forgiveness affirmations you were talking about that my partner mm-hmm. Judy writes a lot of awesome songs and affirmations and so singing those yes helps um one of the forgiveness techniques that she talks about is actually um Forgiving herself, forgiving yourself, which seems to be the person that I need to forgive the most, to tell you the Mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. And um, she talks about just, you know, writing myself a letter and forgiving myself for all the things that I have actually thought um, about other people, about myself. And, you know, actually cutting myself some slack in that kind of an area. But I would say probably the one that I, the one that I use the most is what you're talking about, is an affirmation. I spend mm-hmm. time every morning in the silence. And I usually pick an affirmation that works for me and helps me shift into that space of being... Um, in a higher vibration, let's say. And if I, because one of the things I do at night is I take time before I go to bed to say, is there anything that I need to let go of from this day? Mm-hmm. And I journal a little, little bit about that and keep those people in prayer or those situations in prayer or give them to spirit to help me transform them. But if I wake up the next morning and they're still there, one of the of the affirmations that I have used for myself is I love and forgive myself in this moment. And it feels to me like as I say that, and sometimes you said you have to say it 500 times in a day. Sometimes I've said it, I, I'm sure, that many times or more in a day because mm-hmm. there have been certain situations in my life um, that have been more of a hook 
in my consciousness than others. And it seemed that, you know, going through the day, I would think, well, okay, I've got it. I've let it go. And then for whatever reason, an hour later, whoop, there it is again. And so it's like, okay, I love and forgive myself. And so I think probably the practice, other than what I've talked about that I do the most, is holding on to something, some thought like that or some affirmation, which is what you've already talked about, Mm -hmm. and knowing that I'm going to have to use that several times a day to get to the bottom of whatever it is that I'm not forgiving. And again, my experience is it's usually myself. I'm usually not forgiving myself because I'm a lot nicer mostly to other people than I am to me. Oh, that's so true. Isn't that just so true? We can be so harsh on ourselves, and especially like you just said, you know, uh, let's see, the word plaisantir, the French word resentment uh, comes from the French word plaisantir, which means uh, to do, to play over and over. And we can just over and over play it in our own mind and to take that time to, to forgive ourselves. Yeah. What about self-forgiveness, Jamie? That, geez, that's, a, that's such a huge piece of forgiveness. I think one of the, the most powerful things I remember learning when I got into New Thought was um, the teacher one night, she was the minister, my first unity minister, and we were sitting around in a class, and she said, you know, the truth is, and, you know, she was she was up there in years, and so, you know, I was the youngest person at the table, and I'm taking notes, and I look, nobody else is taking notes, and she said, the truth is, we all do the best we can in the moment, which seemed like a cop-out to me, but I really had to sit with that for a while, and the truth is, when we look back, you know, I often refer to that poem by Mar- Martha Smock that says, I could have come no other way, that everything that we've ever done, everything that we didn't do, was part of our education, part of our, you know, training, so to speak. And so there's times I have to go, you know what, as Maya Angelou said, when we know better, we do better. And if we don't, right. we'll repeat it until we do get it. So I think sometimes I have to forgive myself you know, I remember when I first got to Pensacola, you know, I moved from Fort Walton Beach to Pensacola, and I really didn't know anybody. I knew people at church, but I started, you know, going out with these with these people, and my gut told me something isn't right. And I was, I, I just didn't know anybody, and I didn't want to sit at home alone, and so I, I played with these people. I went out and partied, and I, and then they turned on me, and it was nasty. I mean, it was dark. Uh-huh. And what I realized was I was so angry at them, and one night when I was trying to go to sleep, I had the little thing, and it was like, you know, which is one of my favorite quotes to use when speaking. You did this. You knew, it, you know what I mean? If I, One of the five points of powers mm-hmm. that Holly Burkan and Edwin Gaines teaches is I always pay attention. And when I look back, there was moments that my, my intuition, my, my inner guidance system said, uh-uh-uh, uh-uh-uh, and you were like, oh, I got this. And we've done it in relationships, we've dated people, we've married people, we've slept with people, and if Ugh. we look back, I always say in counseling, you mean to tell me you never got a glimpse of an abuser or a cheater, whatever, and the people would right. go, um, well, maybe. So I, I forgive myself for not paying attention. And I go, okay, what, 
the big thing is what I've often said that Marianne Williamson said in A Return to Love is, you know, it's one thing to have a prayer that says, Dear God, why is this happening to me? But what's mm-hmm. worse is to have the prayer, Dear God, why is this happening to me again? So mm-hmm. I forgive myself and let me learn it. And I often say, too, in my time of forgiveness practice, I will affirm, you know, what Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. If there's issues and traumas going on, let this cup pass from me and let me learn what is mine to learn with ease and grace. I am paying full attention to what is taking place. But the other thing, one of my early teachers taught me, she took me into a a very deep meditative state, and she, she told me to visualize my body and that all these cords were coming out of my body and they were attached to people. And she said, you know, I want you to see who they're attached to. But most importantly, I want you to see where the attachments are. And I, I, was, I didn't understand. And she said, okay, so you see your father in your mind. Where is the cord from you attached to your father? And it was from my forehead to his forehead. And then it was to see this other person. And it would be from your, your gut to their, you know, to their heart. Or, so anyway, she led you through. And some of them, you know, I mean, we're adults here, let's be honest. Some of them, there were attachments from the root chakra to another person's root chakra because it was a lust attachment. Is that uh-huh. right? Right. Bring any ding-dongs for anybody? <laughs> so what, that was not probably the best way to put that. But she also we got taught it. me. We got it. She said... I want you to call all, all of those cords back. And so in my mind, I visualize, remember those old vacuum cleaners where you'd step on the knob and it would suck the cord back in? Yes. So right. in my mind, I, at nighttime, I would see where, where are all my pieces, where are all my attachments to people today that I encountered, whether they were friends, family, people who came in for counseling. And in my mind, I would hit that switch and all those cords would pull back into me. And that helps me, or she would say, sever it like a guillotine your attachment, and I, I loose you now and let you go, as Emily Cady used to say. And I will say that often in my mind. I sever the cord, whatever the cord may be, to this situation or this person, and I, I loose you and I let you go. I bless you and I release you. And I'll do it like you were saying, Janine. I will say it. As Edwin always says, say it till you mean it, folks. Right. So that works for me. Wow. So, I love that one. I will be doing that one from now on as part of my daily practice. And I also like the visual involved there uh, mm-hmm. because it just makes it clearer and you can have a solid sense of when you're uh, free of it. That's terrific, terrific. So, Janine, you know, we're, we're going to be winding down here in a minute, so I want to talk a little bit more about you. So tell our listeners okay. how they can stay in contact with you for all the, the things that you do, where they can find the CD of the affirmations that you've created, which is a wonderful CD, folks, if you're, if you're listening in right now. So tell people a little bit more about how they can keep up with Dr. Janine Burns, about getting in touch with you via your websites, because you have more than one and that sort of thing. Yes, I have uh, several. Uh, you can always email me at Dr. Janine Burns, and it's dr. J-A-N-I-N-E-B-U-R-N-S at Gmail, and I can get you the CD through that. We do have uh, the website, uh, Tunes for Transformation, that's actually being worked on today, in fact. Uh, But if you email directly, it's most convenient. Uh, I'm currently upcoming on Long Island. I am going to be teaching a class, uh, Basic Principles of Science of Mind, according to the works of Frederick Bales, because I think it's important that we have a... uh, specified spiritual study. You know, people, they're studying this one and the at one, and so many people now 
are giving us inspiration everywhere you turn. But to have a specified spiritual uh, study, I think, is important. I know Unity has it, uh, Centers for Spiritual Living, uh, and I thought it would be a good idea. So I'm going to be doing that upcoming. I also travel and speak. I'm uh, excited. I go out. There's a spiritual center in Southampton, and I'm out there uh, regularly. And... Next year, if you haven't heard of the Women's Gold Rush Conference, you know Reverend Jackie Trish Atkins. She puts that on, and uh, this is the third year in Rome to be a keynote speaker, so I'm very excited about that. But otherwise, you can uh, also reach me. My cell is 516-909-0103. And uh, locally, I spend a lot of time doing Celebration of Life memorial services so that we can really honor and respect someone who's made their transition. And I also do weddings in my spare time. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I do. Well, cool. I just want to say it has been fun having you with us today. I mean, you you, you really are a, a sharp cookie, I'll just tell you that. I'm just going to say well, that on the air, that you know your <laughs> stuff, and it was, it was great having you with us today, Janine, so thank you so much. Well, Jamie, I thank you, and I also appreciate you described me as lively. I got a good chuckle out of that, and <laughs> thank you for having me. And such a such a pleasure to be on the show with both of you, uh, just such an inspiration, and I'll be looking forward to listening to you week after week. So namaste to you both. Thank you thank so much. You. Talk it's, to you it's soon. Been, it's been a delight. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, she really is. She's she's a dynamic speaker, and um, you know, for Reverend Ike to used to let her speak at his church, that's that's a huge compliment about what you do and how you do it. So I just want to say to folks, we're about ready to wind the show up, and we want to say as always, thank you for listening in. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Be sure to share our link on Facebook with your friends and family for those who are spiritually minded and open and receptive. We love what we do, and so we encourage you to continue to follow us on Facebook under Spirituality Today with Jamie Sanders and Denise Jurgen. So we're going to leave you now. This time we're going to leave you with a little bit of me singing with recording artist Cheryl Jones. And so until next time, be good to yourself, be good to others, and keep spreading the light. Goodbye.
Winding 